everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. They are always exciting. I am delighted to be joined on this episode by author Nick Brule. Nick, thank you for jumping on uh, Zoom. We've we've already had a really good conversation, just sort of the the pregame show, and really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, glad to share your words with some folks out there, some educators and readers and listeners. Uh, who might be familiar with your work or who might be discovering it for the first time. Yeah, uh, th- I'm thrilled. Thank you for so much for having me. Uh, as I was saying, like you said in the, in our pregame, um, opportunities to 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 talk to um, adults on an adult podcast, on adult subjects in an adult environment don't come often to people who do what I do. So this is this is terrific. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. Absolutely. I, I will make it as childlike as I can, but w- but we do tend, you know, the the atmosphere of the background, the digital background of multiple books seems to convey the aesthetic. And I also just use the word aesthetic. So it's got to be for adults, right? Oh, yeah. We're going to put the schmancy to fancy uh, for this group. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're smearing it on. Um, so you're a person who is known for writing and creating for young people which mm-hmm. we've kind of alluded to. What what was it about writing and the written word that kind of drew you in and attracted you to this world of writing? And was it initially youth that you thought about writing for? It wasn't initially. Um, for me, you could say, I guess this part of the story in, for my career begins in college when um, even though I had entered college on a pre-med program and was sort of positioning myself to uh, apply for medical schools, uh, I'd always really enjoyed writing and especially drawing art. So an opportunity arose my junior year in college to have the campus comic strip um, on the by college newspaper. I went to Haverford College outside of Philadelphia. And I genuinely enjoyed creating this comic strip once a week for the newspaper more than anything else I was doing in in college. And it just sort of sparked this sort of creative vibrancy in me that that might not have been there otherwise. So I actually started writing plays that I would put up on stage uh, in addition to, to the comic strip. So I left college fully anticipating that I was going to dedicate myself to a career in cartooning. I wanted to have a syndicated comic strip. And in order to support this radical lifestyle I developed for myself, um, I was working, I worked as a bookseller for over 15 years, initially for a general bookstore called Shakespeare and Company that's no longer there on the Upper West Side. Um, Well, there's a different one now there. But then for a children's bookstore called Books of Wonder that is still there. Um, Now it's on 17th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues. And uh, at that point, I'd already been creating cartoons and I had a self-syndicated comic strip. So I was getting by okay just creatively with, with my cartoons. But... At when after working at that bookstore for probably maybe at this point three four years, it sort of struck me one day that picture books and comics and cartoons shared the same language of telling a story with words and pictures. Um, 
I had attempted to submit work, you know, picture book ideas to publishers um, uh, previously. Um, and I'd come to understand uh, over the years that the big obstacle that prevented me from actually getting those work published were that they were terrible. It was after working at that bookstore uh, for a few years and really just being immersed in the history and the culture and the art of picture books that I really started to create manuscripts from ideas that could work. And once I'd done that, it happened quickly. Uh, but but luck also played a, a, a key role. Uh, the man, the woman who would become my agent was a regular customer who heard I was working on something uh, through the grapevine and and we set up a meeting and and she was as shocked as I was as I was that to, 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 that she wanted to sign me up and the man who would become my first editor um, was a good friend of a of a former store manager and he put us together um, and, and and it's just been this terrific ride ever since. Wonderful, wonderful. I, I love that and. My life has also seemingly centered around books. I told you I, was, I used to be a librarian and then I became an English teacher and then a literacy professor and then an English teacher again. So uh, shout out to the the bibliophile and uh, at least the two of us and probably people that are listening out there as well. Bet. Curious about you said that you were playwriting was part of your development, too. So does that forgive the pun, play a role in uh, putting together the work that you do? Do you do you do kind of that scripting stage that I see so often in comics? Yeah, it, 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 I don't know what role it might play in the types of stories I tell now, but I have found that over, since in, in all these years, the, the 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 facet of writing that comes most naturally to me is dialogue. I have a very I have a much easier time writing dialogue than I do anything else. Which actually, I guess now you say it, it uh, probably does lend towards my creating graphic novels, uh, which essentially the Bad Kitty books are, because they're mm -hmm. so visual that I don't have to actually write. Um, anything that's descriptive because i'm i'm drawing it it's right there in front of you now in vibrant color uh mm -hmm. all that's left is the interaction of uh, between the characters which is all dialogue driven except i painted myself into a corner from the very beginning because i created a protagonist who does not talk um so that's where kitty's dialogue has to come out through her facial expressions um, and that is the thing that's probably um, challenged me most um, over the years as as somebody who, you know, writes and illustrates these stories for a living. Because you'll notice that in what I described in all of that history of my college life and all that, mm -hmm. art school was not a part of any of it. <laughs> I didn't I never spent a day um, formally as an art uh, in, in art school. I, I took. um art classes after college at the School of Visual Arts, uh, sort of, most of them were writing. Um, but the only reason I paint in color at all was because some of the magazines and trade journals that I was submitting cartoons to 
they would pay me $25 if I they bought a cartoon in black and white, but they'll they'll pay me $60 if it was color. I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, I gotta learn how to paint. That's phenomenal. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, the long-winded answer is, is short version of the long-winded answer is that yes, um the 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 playwriting takes takes part in in terms of the dialogue that I I use uh you know writing my stories. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh and, and shout out to the economy of it too, because I'm sure that if poetry paid uh all sorts of amounts of money i i would probably still be cranking out poems left and right i used to do that all the time and now i'm more of a person who does like blogs and book chapters and things like that because you tend to go where uh not only the creativity lies and where you're inspired but but where it makes sense to do that too oh yeah well you know uh while you know while i was trying to become a, a cartoonist or set up my career as one uh, I was writing short stories to to because that's what my my concentration was in college, um, and um, bo- yeah, journals, trade journals, and such. They would pay you in copies of the journal. You would have the privilege of getting your your work published in the journal, and your honorarium, if you will, would be copies of the journal. Yes, that you can put on your shelf and share with your parents. So as as proof that you weren't completely wasting your time. Yes. Oh, yes. I I remember trying that out, too, and and getting paid in those and paid in rejection slips quite a bit, too. Yeah. yeah, that I mentioned that I I'm former academic and still do academic kind of things, but um, not full time at the moment. And you know, as an academic, you get to write, and part of your pay is that you get to write. That's that's sort of what it is. And you might get a PDF yeah. of your stuff. Um, that's right. But but not even all the journals send you a copy because not even all the journals publish a printed copy. So that's right. You you, you get a digital file. That's right. You can, Here's your portable you data can, file. <laughs> you can you can put that up on your. On, it can be the. It can be your your screensaver is 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 your payment now. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I should get one and put it back behind me on my Zoom meetings. That that might be overwhelming. Um, <laughs> so so bad kitty. It, you mentioned it's a graphic novel. It draws on picture books. Uh, it, it draws on a variety of things and. You know, I also love books that sort of defy clean and neat descriptions, hybrid texts. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it kind of takes those visual pieces. Anything that you want to share for folks? Uh, I'll mention it's a it's a multi-entry uh, ongoing series, but anything that you want to share for folks that may not be familiar with it? Yeah, no, well, first of all, it's really interesting that you you described it as a, as a hybrid because when the first chapter book came out, Bad Kitty Gets a Bath, mm. um, Kirkus Reviews described it as a graphic hybrid. They didn't call it a chapter book. They didn't call it a graphic novel. They they created this designation, so far as I could tell, because I'd never seen it before, of graphic hybrid, which I thought was tremendous. But mm-hmm. what... I think might be getting lost in the history of Bad Kitty is that she actually started as a picture book character. And I'm going to, there's a little bit of visual aids. I got, I, 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 love, I, it. I love it. I prepared ahead of time. This is actually the first Bad Kitty book. She was a love picture it. book character. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a picture book that goes through the alphabet. It's a simple story. It's a story about, a, a you know, this cat who doesn't get the food she wants in alphabetical order. And so she commits all these acts of mayhem in alphabetical order. But then she does get the food she wants in alphabetical order and more or less makes amends in alphabetical order. Um, so I created this picture book and it's it, it's coming on up on 20 years. It came out in 2005. Um, and I did a sequel called Poor Puppy about the, the dog uh, that's also it's introduced at the very end of the book. Um, and I wanted to do more with the character, but I didn't know how I could continue this sort of alpha, multiple alphabet picture book format that I'd created. It, it, it was untenable. So this idea occurred to me, um, and it's something I've been contemplating for a long time, about m- creating a scenario where the character can grow up with her readers. So rather than do a picture book about the character, uh, adapt her into a, chap- a, a heavily illustrated chapter book format um, so kids who know the character from the picture book um, can move on to, to read about the character in the chapter book and to create it in such a way that it would be like a bridge from picture books to chapter books. Keep it heavily illustrated, but also um, tell stories that would be at least 144 pages. Um, initially... Um, the only people who liked this idea were me, my editor, and um, the publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about it, because <laughs> Barnes & Noble did not want to carry the first Bad Kitty chapter book. They saw no, they didn't understand it. They made, it, it made no sense to them. Bear in mind that Barnes & Noble at the time, it may still be the case, had a separate buyer for for picture books and another buyer for all of the others, like chapter books up through young adult. And yeah. so the, the chapter book buyer was less familiar with the picture book. It was just, why would anybody who reads a picture book get the chapter book? It made no sense to them. So they begrudgingly bought only a thousand copies for the entire uh, Barnes and Noble, um, every single store in, in North America and their online presence. Um since then, they they have amended those those figures. Um, That's good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but it really was interesting that it was a bit of a challenge to convince um, retailers that this was an, a good direction to take with the character. And part yeah. of it was because I it really had not been done before. Um, adapting a, a picture book character in for an older audience uh and um it, it was i i i really really researched this and only one other person had ever done this before it was a character called amazing grace that appeared as a picture book and but then as a middle grade novel uh and also with like a, a period of five years in between and just the two so it um and and it had um you know mixed results now there are a lot of uh, uh, picture book characters who are turned into chapter book um, series, like like uh, Fancy Nancy and Arnie the Donut. Now that's a great one, um, and a few others. And I honestly, I, I, I uh, more the better. I'm fine with it. Uh, but I, I, I think I was first. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's it's an insight into readers 
you know, that they can grow, that they can change with a book, that the book can be sort of waiting for them. And you might even have a reader who wants to reach kind of beyond where they are and have the motivation to read something that's, that's maybe a little more challenging, but still worth it. Uh, and especially if they've got those pictures to support them. So um, hats, I'm not wearing a hat, but hats off to you. Um, for thinking that through and, and sharing that with the world. And I'm glad that, that Barnes and Noble revisited that, that choice. Yes. That's, that's good. So am I, <laughs> yeah. but, but you bring up an interesting point because, you know, I do draw upon my book retail experience um, quite a bit, even to this day when um, I'm, I'm considering how to tell my stories, because when I was a re when I was a bookseller, uh, I would get the question every day, I have a book for a five, six, seven-year-old, whatever child I need to get books for. And my mm -hmm. my suggestion every single time was to aim high. Get get them a book that they'll grow into rather than one that, that they'll grow out of quickly or they've yeah. already grown out of. Um, it, it's one of the reasons I do not. Um, and I think it's the conventional wisdom now. And it wasn't always with children's books. I do not... Um, uh, uh, edit my my vocabulary. If uh -huh, if uh -huh. if I, I I I I'll put whatever word I think is going to work best. If, if it's funny or tells a story, whatever it may be, um, I I don't care if it's a vocabulary word for for a, a, an eighth, ninth, tenth grader, what have you. It, it 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 goes in the books because the kids will figure it out by context. Uh, and the kids who are going to pick up a book like mine, in fact, they'll they'll, they'll demand it. So, um, uh, yeah, my book selling, my book retail, what uh, still still guides me to this day. Daniel Handler slash Lemony Snicket had just yeah. that great built in a word which here means, you know, that sort of like built right. in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you mentioned before in the pregame show that you do virtual visits with children. I'm curious yeah. about one of the moments a child has surprised you with a reaction or a question. Um, interesting. You I know, tried. I tried. Yeah. You know, um, it, it it's it's funny because I've been ruminating on one recently because um, about a month ago I did a, a virtual visit with a school in in um, Vancouver I believe it was in Canada and uh, I had a I believe she was a fourth grader it was a girl and she kind of stumped the band on this one she asked me what was my greatest priority as a writer. Uh, it, it was a question I had never really been asked before, and, and it was a very profound one. So it, it really did lead to, you know, 10 seconds of full silence before I was able to just sort of spout out an answer. And I still don't think it was necessarily the best answer. It's just, it's, and which tells you I've been dwelling on all this time. It's like, I think my priority as a writer is to, um, act as 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 a, a delivery system of a vessel that will um both amuse and and um educate my readers uh i i'm still not really sure if that's the right answer that i or the answer that 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 uh uh is true because it, it was just it's an intriguing word it use of that word yeah. priority 
I love um, that. And one of these days I will um, approach the few author, illustrator, writer types that, that I encounter and, 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 and ask their opinion on it because it's, it's a, it was a really intriguing question. Truly enough. Yeah. I, I love how, you know, kids very often don't get enough credit. And I've had those moments where, to my yeah. chagrin, we'll be reading something in class and a student will pick up on something that I didn't pick up on. And you have that moment as an adult in the room where you're like, I could totally just be like, yeah, I noticed that, of course. Or be like, wow, that's that's really great that you pointed that out. I didn't catch that. Yeah. And, you know, early in my career, I'd do the first one. And, and anymore, I tend to do the second one because... Young people are brilliant. Absolutely. I'll tell you another story. You're so right. This is, I hadn't thought about this one in years. And this is very early in my, um, I guess, career of, of, of school visits. I was at a school in um, Harlem. And I was uh, visiting a library. This is a school that only had very recently constructed a library. This was the first library this school had ever had. And so this was, and this was like 10, 12 years ago. And the kids were just packed into this library space. And it, was, it, it made it very hard for me to interact because I like to walk back and forth if there's an aisle. And mm-hmm. there was this mm-hmm. one uh, little boy who was very uh, close to where I was. I could barely move. And he seemed just completely disinterested in anything I had to say. And I, <laughs> I was doing a read aloud and I was doing this sort of interactive exercise with the kids. I did drawing, then I did another read aloud. And, you know, at the very end, I you know, questions, who's got questions, right? And at this point, you know, he has his hand up and I, all right, you know what? I'll, uh, I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and, 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 and call on, on this, this kid. And just let's see what happens. And mm-hmm. he, he raises his hands. He said, how come all of your books start with one character on the page, but then they end with two characters on the page? And I, I, what is, yeah, he's right. <laughs> that was true for my first book, Boing. It was true for Bad Kitty, which I probably read to them. Uh, a, a book I did called Who is Melvin Bubble? It, 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 he was right. <laughs> he uh-huh. absolutely 100% nailed it. And I don't think this kid had made eye contact with me or what was happening on the screen at all. At least I didn't think he had. But clearly, yeah. he was just absorbing everything in his own way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a glorious moment. I'll, I'll never forget it. Um. Yeah, yeah. You, you never know what the audience is taking in and and how it's yeah. processing. Yeah. So before we before we have to slide out, I'm on one of those unfortunate personal timed zooms, um, which uh, also leads to the shorter episodes at times. Uh, it's one of those things. Um, so I always like to ask more bad kitty, more projects on the way, future things. Yes. Yes. Good, good. Yes. Good, good. Um, so uh, ba- by the end of this year, uh, there will be Bad Kitty Makes a Movie. It'll be a chapter book um, that I've already and that will also I'm also working or I've already completed the Bad Kitty uh, doing this sort of er, sort of early reader picture book. So and there's going to be Bad Kitty. Um, 
does not like Easter and Bad Kitty goes to the beach. Uh, those are already done. They're in the can already. And what I'm currently working on, I'm really still at the outlining manuscript process, will be um, Bad Kitty Dog Party. Uh, it's I, I did a book called Happy Birthday, Bad Kitty. It was the second chapter book I ever did about Kitty. And, and this one's going to be almost like a follow-up to that one because it's going to be about the dogs having a birthday. It's his first birthday. Nice. And nice. so it's really a little bit about uh, sibling rivalry because it's the dog's special day and Kitty doesn't really like that one bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Very cool. So more on the way. And I love the early reader, chapter book, picture book. Mm -hmm. I, I love the range. Um, Thank that you. you're exploring in so that's Thank that's you. wonderful and lots of things for readers to enjoy and i guess i should add fingers crossed i don't know when or if we'll ever see it there's there's real hope for a bad kitty streaming series wonderful 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 yeah. branding all of the branding. Yeah. <laughs> all right well uh, my fingers are crossed for that as well you. Wishing you best success and sharing even more stories and more of the unfolding universe. And, and thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me. Thank you, Jason. This was tremendous fun. I enjoyed this a lot. As did I. As did I. Glad to have you back anytime. Great. Thank you.